Hi everyone, my name is Michael Zhu. I'm founder and managing partner of Backlog Capital. Um, my imagination for tomorrow uh, is collaboration and supportive and communicative. There's a better future for people to uh, collaborate, communicate, and uh, help each other, each other to grow. Welcome everybody to the Live from Tomorrow podcast. I am your host, Matt Hooper. Each week, we weave together guest interviews with comedic segments to bring tomorrow vividly to life, offering a bold, humorous perspective on what's next across business, technology, politics, and entertainment. And today, I want to start by talking to you about my friend, Pat Dreyfus. Well, a friend and mentor, really. Many listeners will likely recognize Pat from past episodes. A lifelong insurance salesman, Pat's been able to ride out any number of trends during his long career, something I'd previously only thought about in passing, but which hit me anew a few weeks ago when he texted me shortly after Joe Biden won the presidency. Look at that, some sanity back in the White House, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, smiley face emoji and thumbs up emoji. The world is open for business again, Matty boy. A change is gonna come. Just like Sam cooking, si same cookie, Sim Conkle. Sorry, autocorrect. God, why is it so hard to toop on an iPhone? But I remember what Pat said back in 2016, too, on the morning after Donald Trump won the election. Don't let this throw you, buddy. We've been through worse than this. A depression, a civil war. America is strong, Matt, and there is more that unites us all than divides us. This guy might turn his back on the world, but it's our job, all us citizens, to make sure the world stays open for business. The world being open for business is a thing with Pat that the mighty forces of capital remain unimpeded, coupled with the idea that all people from every corner of the planet are basically decent and share the same goals, well, that's why this lonely ball keeps turning as far as he's concerned. Plus, the guy's just an optimist. All his time spent in conference rooms on six different continents seemed to prove to him that people were inherently good, and that, over the years, things were bound to work out. Have you set up an account on this thing, Facebook? This is gonna make everybody's life so much better! You know who seems like a great guy off screen? Kevin Spacey. The secret to success in the 21st century? Three simple words. Mortgage-backed securities. I think that Pat is simply a man of his time, having been raised in a very different United States than myself or my peers. And he's brought that way of thinking with him wherever he's gone. Pat Dreyfus believes in America. He always has. America is an innovative world leader, as an incubator of extraordinary products, businesses, artists, and inventors. I think of one story he's fond of telling in particular, of a business trip he took to Germany in November 1989. Pat! Pat Dreyfus! Alma, good to see you. I was worried I had the wrong hotel. You are in just the right place. Oh, I am also loving your suit, Pat. You look like Sir Philip Drummond from The Different Strokes. Thank you. And I love what you've got going on too, Almond. The shoulder pads, that pure Snow White nose candy straight from the Medellin coast in your Altoid case. It's 1989! <laughs> it is. There was much traffic on the way from the airport? There was. Bumper to bumper. 
What's going on out there? People are just running around in the street. Oh, it is probably because they are excited to see a successful American businessman. Hey, is that Tom Cruise, star of Cocktail and All the Right Moves? Or is that Pat Dreyfus, newly promoted head of European sales at Levensol Insurance? <laughs> oh, Almond, you're making me blush. Dunk a shame, darling, but uh... <gasps> Pat Dreyfus, you are arrived! Oh, I see you and my sister have already made the pleasantries. Do not keep Pat Dreyfus to yourself, Almut. There are many people here to meet him. Please, Christoph, I would not deprive my family of the chance to engage with Pat Dreyfus. Especially now that Pat is a part of our family. <gasps> oh, yes, welcome to the family business, Pat. This is a merger for the ages. Well, I'm happy to report that the boys back in New York feel the same way. Two insurance companies on either side of the Atlantic coming together just in time for the 90s. We're making history here. Then let us drink up, eh? The night is still young. Tomorrow is for the signing of the contracts. Well, tonight, tonight is for celebrations. Christoph and Almut were thrilled to be expanding to the U.S., while Pat marveled at how far he'd come since his days working at his father's magic shop, Marvin's Magic Mart of Mineola. You know, Christoph, Almut, my old man landed at the beach at Normandy. And when I started making these trips last year, he said, Pat, don't go to Germany, stay here. Take over the shop, pull some rabbits out of a couple of hats, and call it a career. But I told him, Pop, it's different now. We won. People love America, and they want to do business with us everywhere I go. <laughs> Absolutely. Free market. No Coke. Jack Welch. Lee Iacocca. Where's the beef? And then he made some disparaging remarks about your country, which I laughed at because, hey, nobody's all that enlightened. It's 1989. But I wish I could show him how it was different. I wish he could see us all tonight coming together in the name of business, in the name of opportunity. The world is only going to get smaller, and we're all only going to become closer to one another. So, if I'm not mistaken, what you're saying is that millions of years of human evolution, where we have proven time and time again to be a violent tribal species or all what? Wrong? Just some sort of wacky misunderstanding, and now we're all going to turn into one big happy family, an international Brady Bunch because of the churn of global capital? Ugh, ignore her, Pat Dreyfus. That is Bernadette. She's in for my London office. No, no, it's, it's okay, Almond. Uh, Bernadette, I appreciate the reference, as I was a fellow who met a lady, and we knew that it was much more than a hunch. And then Almond and I began to initiate this merger. But I don't see humans as innately violent or tribal. Mm, forgive me, then. I did not mean to chip away at your sun-kissed version of the world. <sighs> Bernadette, please. Can I get you another drink or something? Because we're right in the middle of a celebration. Most of us think that the West is won because of some sort of moral superiority. That the Gipper and the Iron Lady and lax regulations have made us all smarter, better, sexier. That is enough, Bernadette. No, it's okay. Let her finish. Do you have a problem with capitalist economies? You would rather live on the other side of the wall? I have no problem with any of it. I simply think it wise that we recognize what game we're playing. Our system, too, will wither and die. Competition, that which we have always been told to adore, will surely yield more losers than winners, will it not? 
Societies always transfigure themselves to ensure a powerful ruling class, whether they're run by Moscow's rules or Washington's, whether you've been promised a piece of the American dream or if you've been told to abhor it. Okay, Bernadette, that's great, but can you stop now, okay? Because none of us bought a ticket to the false equivalency theater, okay? <laughs> Did anyone catch that? That was, like, really witty and, like, super snarky. I loved it. Bernadette, I respect where you're coming from. I do. But, uh, well, let's agree to disagree. I try to find the best in people, in systems, in, in everything, really. Well, good on you. But do remember that you're in the insurance business, a business premised on disaster and human folly. Pat's told me the story of this night many, many times over the years. Of how Bernadette, whose last name he'd never learn and who he'd never see again, shook him to his core, if only for a moment. And then, nearly an hour later... Look! Look! It is happening! Oh, tonight! Tonight it is finally happening! Pat realized that the crowds in the street, the folks who'd held up traffic, the exuberant West Germans, they were waiting eagerly, with champagne and flowers, for their East German counterparts to cross the border for the first time. He watched a nation reunify before his very eyes. And when Christoph turned to him, tears in his eyes, and said, Pat Dreyfus, it looks like the vest has won after all. Pat smiled as wide as he possibly could. For this was evidence of democratic values and open borders and free market innovation, was it not? This was proof that he'd been on the right side of history all along. And for the next 30 years, Pat called upon this moment whenever he needed a reminder of what was possible, of what people can do when they band together and fight against a broken, unfair system. Although the systems he chose to believe in instead... Listen, this third-way philosophy, what Clinton and Blair are doing, this is the end of politics as we know it. From here on out, it's just a technocratic utopia, and everybody benefits. You mark my words. I can't fall asleep unless I feel a copy of Tom Friedman's The Lexus and the Olive Tree tucked safely under my pillow. It's the weapons of mass destruction we need to worry about. I know they had nothing to do with 9-11, but why would Colin Powell lie? Well, they too had problems. And these systems came under attack in the mid-2010s in the wake of a global economic collapse and a rising populist wave all over the world. Nationalism was ascendant, and the divide between the haves and have-nots was greater than it had ever been. So I think back to Pat's text message from a few weeks ago. The world is open for business again. At the dawn of a new decade, laid bare once more by economic collapse, and this time by a pandemic too, will that stay true? What will that world look like? And will it still be defined by Western free market capitalism? Pat followed up his text with another one. We are headed for a very different future than the one I anticipated, Matt. Don't get me wrong. But we're America. There's nothing we can't do. Heck, we define the 20th century. The question worth asking now is, who will define the 21st? Live from tomorrow, we'll return after a short break. Well, here we are. The very last month of 2020. It has been a year, folks. But this show is all about tomorrow the promise of what is to come. There will be years after 2020. Heck, one even begins next month. And as we here in the U.S. try to figure out our place in the world, it's instructive to look back on this last era, the post-Cold War era, as we did in our opening sketch. But I'd argue that it's even better to look ahead to the world to come, 
a world where the United States is no longer the only economic and political superpower, a world where China is not ascendant, but has arrived. To better understand the relationship between these two countries, one the most successful practitioner of Western-style capitalism the world has ever seen, and one which has practiced a state-managed form of capitalism that has managed to lift hundreds of millions of people out of poverty faster than ever before, I reached out to somebody who is not only an innovator himself, but who also works with innovators for a living through his multiple businesses. As an investor in startup entrepreneurs and a champion of cross-border collaboration, as ever in this part of the show, I was thrilled to chat with an expert. All right, everybody, I am really excited to be sitting down today and chatting with the founder and managing partner of Akathon Capital, Michael Jew. Michael, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you, Matt, for having me here. Thank you. Um, you have a really interesting job. You, you, you in essence, uh, help to either build uh, doors, that, bridges that go between uh, China and the U.S., or you help to uh, support financially with mentorship and so on, existing bridges and doorways between China and the U.S. So when did you decide there was an opportunity in cross-border collaboration between Chinese and U.S. startups? And, uh, and how early on did that become part of the business model for Akathon Capital? It was in nine, uh, 2014, um, uh, September, where our, you know, the China Prime Minister uh, Ke Changli announced a mass entrepreneurship and innovation support uh, over the Davos. And uh, uh, two months later, I was traveling back to, to China, uh, walking down on a road, a famous road called the ZGC uh, Entrepreneurship Street. And then I was packed with the garage coffee shops and the co-working space and tons of small startups. Uh, that was really a uh, ticking point for me and it inspired me to, um, you know, build that bridge because I see a very early stage of entrepreneurship's uh, market that happening in China. Uh, whereas I, you know, spent tons of time in the U.S. and I especially in the tech ecosystem in New York City. Um, so I feel there, there, there was a gap that I can fulfill uh, to build a bridge for connect the east and the west. So let me let me ask you this: so many of these um, innovation best practices, sandbox, hackathon, building in-person hubs for co-working, these are uh, these are seen all around the world, and a lot of them were pioneered in the U.S. about 10, 15 years ago. So, what makes the post 2014 push towards innovation on the part of both startups and corporates uniquely Chinese? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say um, there's two different things. One is the, um, you know, the system differences uh, between the Chinese, I will say Chinese state managed capitalism or Western style capitalism. Um, and then the other things what I, I was talking about was, uh, you know, the, um, the, the innovation happening uh, in China was largely supported by central government. Um, and uh, that that are actually taking place uh, all over the places that in large corporations in the state owned, um, and and then gradually to the private uh, owned companies. Um, and then talking back to the uh, you know Western style capitalism and the China state managed uh, capitalism, um, I would say China, you know China is between you know what we call socialism and 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 a capitalism. Um, and um, I would say it widely believed that actually China's success is based on a unique Chinese third way, um, which is a political and an economic model that occupies the ground between capitalism and socialism. Um, 
I would say, you know, Chinese is successful because the state continue to play an important role uh, in the Chinese economy. Um, but actually, in fact, China's success provide a very clear evidence of power of capitalism. Um, and, and at the same time, there are a lot of uh, uh, power driven by the central government as a capitalism um, that get a, a 80, uh, 840, probably 5 millions of people out of poverty, uh, which is insane to, 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 to see that uh, transformation. If the U.S.-China relationship changes in the coming years and it becomes harder to do business cross-border, will individual markets take like a city-state, I guess, approach to continue to work together? Um, in other words, can a national government really prevent doing business between global hubs like New York, London, and Beijing? depending on what's going on at, at the at the national level right right um it's an interesting question because i think um it comes to uh fundamental um you know technology industry or um detail to sectors like consumer space or other uh, you know artificial intelligence space so i would say uh, you know between the us and china decoupling uh is making the business harder um, but however, I think it's mainly for technology industries and mainly for, um, I would say, chips and semiconductors and other uh, like AIs or others. Um, and taking the AI as, a, as, a, as an example, um, I think, um, you know, U.S. is absolutely lead the, you know, the, uh, the world by uh, advanced AI. Um, but actually, because of a large population in China, um, China is the most, uh, you know, uh, advanced country that actually adopting the AI technology um, and uh, accepts accessing the data that feeds it. Um, I think, um, in general, uh, like like what I said, consumer space or um, you know goods and products, um, those, those companies in, are doing cross border. Uh, I never seen that being a great chance for for international companies to to do business in China. Um, and um, it doesn't it doesn't matter actually does a state uh, city states or or relationship change and uh, I think while it is a very strange time uh, there are much more companies that are looking to grow and their business in China um, however it does affect the, the technology companies that are doing business in China you already have your fingers in a lot of pots you're already running a lot of businesses so I don't want to add more to your plate um, but, but if you were going to uh, start a new business tomorrow from scratch, a technology business or technology enabled business, I guess I'll say, where would you build? Would you build in the States or would you build in China? Um, I still will stick with the cross border. Um, I think there are still tremendous opportunities around uh, the globalization, even though there are a lot of uh, people that are saying the deglobalization is happening. Um, but I truly believe that uh, as long as the people are coming together to enjoy and and, and, and sort of uh, learn from each other and then uh, work with each other, uh, the world will become better. Um, you know, I think my 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 biggest dream for tomorrow um, is really build a, a large community uh, that people can connect and connect and um, do work together. Um, and uh, my biggest dream for improving um, adoption of technology was to really, um, uh, you know, help startup founders to be able to um, navigate the roads to expand globally. But at the same time, uh, while there are a lot of corporations that can work with the startups to be able to uh, become innovative and competitive and then even stay on the competitive edge. Um, so there, there, there are a lot of wishes for, for the future, and I'm looking forward to do that.
Live from tomorrow will return after a short break. Michael used the word decoupling to describe the current relationship between the U.S. and China and said that that made collaboration harder. Well, yes, because as he also points out, technology can't be stopped. Technology doesn't recognize borders, so when the U.S. leads technology research, as Michael was saying, China adopts it. If the U.S. is the leader in advanced AI, China adopts it. A large population offers a foundation for U.S. companies to test and grow their products, built by the U.S., adopted by the Chinese economy. Borders, then, definitely do become less important. And while we touched upon the idea of a city-state briefly in the interview, I really can't help but think about the city-state as a realistic form of government in the near future. Particularly at a time of rampant nationalism, with technology so unstoppable, will a new, less border-focused ruling state emerge? Having lived most of my life in New York, I mean, that already sort of feels like a city-state. What if in the near future, in the early 2030s, say, it becomes better for me to grow my business in Beijing, to move my family there? What would my hometown be like upon our return visit? Will it be innovative and cutting-edge? Or a tribute to its past as the dominant global center? A Tomorrowland for yesteryear. All right, we're almost in New York. Ugh, see the lights up there? That's yesteryear, that's the park. Moana, Duchovny, did you both take your anti-nostalgic? Yes, Mom. Did you? I did, but I'm not... Mm, I'm not sure if it's working. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, Mom is gassy. You're probably just seasick, Mom. You have to puke overboard if you're going to puke. You should really join me for swimming lessons with Jin Shui when we get back home, Mom. I don't think I'll ever have a hard time with water because of him. And the world's, like, all water now. He's even thinking of taking the whole class to the lost city of Miami next year to dive for skyscrapers. Mm, mm, yeah, Moana, that's great, honey. But I really need to concentrate on not losing my lunch. Oh. Wow. Hey, kids, do you see that? Oh, there she is. Huh. That's the Statue of Liberty, right, Mom? Yep. Oh, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest toss to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Ugh. I know it's so much harder to launch your business in America these days, and I really have enjoyed Beijing, but there's something so stupid about our competition, isn't there, kids? Your great-uncle Pat always said that the world is better when it's open for business. And seeing Lady Liberty like that, well... Are you okay, Mom? Are you crying? No, no, I'm not. Mm. We made the right decision. It's too hard to build relationships between the U.S. and China. It had to be one or the other, and and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, and I'm not letting go, so... Hey, got a New York cup of coffee from the cafe below deck? <laughs> Here, Sally, have a sip. It'll take you right back. It's kind of gross. It's really expensive. It's home. Mom's not feeling well. Yeah, Dad. She's going to puke. She... Oh, I'm sorry. Did you take an anti-nostalgic? I think I have some more forget about it in my backpack in honor of the trip. I did. I'm fine, honestly. She's fine, Dad. That's her story, and she's sticking to it. And she's not letting go. <laughs> nice. It might be a side effect. Did you read the bottle? Sometimes an anti-nostalgic actually increases your nostalgia, particularly when you first revisit a place that holds significance in your life. What the hell? Since when? Since always. Since the pill hit the U.S. market, and the U.S. hadn't yet ceded global dominance. Hey, get ready, kids. We're docking. <sighs> 
It's a trippy to be back, isn't it? After a year in Beijing. So according to my guidebook, it says that if we want to make the most of the day-long trip, we should hit the roller coasters last and start with the Hall of New York shit talking. Apparently, it's the way to beat the lines. Sounds good to me, Uncle Bowens. I'm sorry. Did you say roller coasters? When's the last time you were in New York, Dad? Oh gosh. Oh gosh. That's a good question, Bowens Jr. Well, must be over a decade now. It certainly was before the city was turned into a theme park. I'm sorry. Can we, can we establish we're not getting on any roller coasters? Or is this just a, let's see if we can get Sally as sick as possible day? Ooh, hey, I think this is our guide. Hey, welcome to New York. I'm walking here. Are you talking to me? Oh, that's always fun. But seriously, folks, welcome to Yesteryear, America's number one theme park situated here on what used to be known as the island of Manhattan. I'm Chauncey, and I'll be your guide this morning. Stretching from what was once called 181st Street all the way down to Canal Street, Remember, not to be confused with where we are now currently docking, which is just the canal, and which had originally been a street known as West Broadway before ceasing to exist in the 28 flood. Yesteryear is a monument to the United States of America with a strictly New York kind of vibe. Unlike our sister parks in the Ozarks, regressive and backwards, Yesteryear celebrates what made New York so unique. It was a progressive center of global capital. Which is basically an oxymoron. <laughs> this was a place where so few had so much, where those in power merely paid lip service to progressive values while consistently ensuring that the top 1% of the world's wealthiest citizens would thrive, and everybody else faced staggering rent hikes and the decimation of the social safety net. A system like that can't sustain, can it? And so it didn't. It died. It died big time. Now, how many of you have been to New York before, either to yesteryear or to the city before it became a park? Don't be shy. Let's see some hands. Dad, didn't you go to college in New York? I did, bud. In fact, my campus is now part of the canal. I read that a shiver of sharks live where I used to have my British literature recitation. No questions? Oh, yes. Young lady. Yeah. Can I take the Cuomo coaster up the side of the Empire State Building? <laughs> in due time. That's one of my favorite rides, too. New York tough. New York strong. Yes, yes. Governor Andrew Cuomo said that a lot. <clears throat> if you'll all follow me out of the boat, we can scan your temporary ocular barcodes. And if you need an extra pair of solar shades to prevent a total assault from the sun on account of the depletion of the ozone layer, that's going to cost about 5 UN, or 700 American dollars. Wow, Mom, Dad, look at this place. It's cut... Everything from yesteryear. Land cars, food made from animal meat. Wow, and that's piss. <laughs> I've missed the smell of piss. Look at that, Sally, a theme restaurant. Famous Ray's Authentical Pizzeria Isimo. Is it because of American-style capitalism? Are the people here unambitious without oversight from the state? I don't, uh, I don't know, bud. Hey, go easy on this place, Duchovny. You were born here. Daddy and I are from here. Are you all right, Sally? Yeah, fine, Bowens, just... Because I understand if you're not. We all met in New York. We all lived in New York. He's got a point. And now it's a strange sort of city-state atop which an amusement park has been built, commemorating a time when America was the center of so much innovation. It's probably just a bad reaction to the anti-nostalgic, okay? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I'm not letting go. <laughs> just really got you down to a T, Mom. That's a heck of an impression. Moana, stop. Now, folks, if you look around you, you'll see we have arrived in Yesteryear Square, formerly Times Square. This was once one of the biggest, brightest neighborhoods in the world. 
LCD screens as far as the eye could see, retail outlets, offices, and giant candy stores. And what we used to call theaters, where people gathered to watch the same content all together in an IRL room produced by professional artists. You've probably come across such people, though you'd know them as NTTs, or non-TikTokers. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wow. Real NTTs. And, of course, no tour of this former world capital floating off the edge of Amazon's tri-state area would be complete without a little ditty from the yesteryear house band, The 20th Century. Hey, Matt. You want to blow this all off and check out the Hall of New York shit talking? Absolutely. I hear that for 10 bucks, you can have a personalized Michael Rappaport hologram tell you to shove it. Hey, where are you guys going? Here, take $2,000, get it transferred to UN, and go nuts. Should buy you a couple of rides and the solar bumper cars. Duchovny, why don't you go with Bones Jr.? Sweet. There's a marvelous world beyond Manhattan Isle, a glut of global markets to explore. We thought we'd cram the money here, but by the time we counted here, the caravan was headed out the door. So now our shores team only with delight. We've got more room for rides and flu for the global conquest of a site. Our capital of capital can still reach great heights. With zero G's and NYC, more thrills are in store. Where what a snore. We tried to cram the world in here, but it got so shiny that I fear Western success could not for long endure. Now that all glory has been left behind, there's loads of laughs and joy still yet to find. With coasters gliding by your co-op door, yesterday brings on Wait, where's your father and brother? Or Bowens, or... Did they ditch us? Thank you, band. Again, they are the 20th century, folks. A good time for New York, America, and free market capitalism. In fact, our yesteryear engineers kept this era in mind when they built the Supply Slide, a ride that recreates the end of the post-war liberal world order destroyed by the dangers of trickle-down economic theory. Woo! The slide spits you out onto concrete. It hurts. It hurts like when I've been abandoned by my government. <laughs> what a vivid representation of the harshness of capitalism. <laughs> I can't believe they leave us here like this. Here, Moana, can you trace them on your device? A similar design experience was used in the construction of another popular attraction, Adam Smith's Wacky Invisible Hand. Hey, Bowens, this is it. The Hall of New York shit talking. Ow! My face! Are you all right? Did something just smack you? Yes! The brutal, invisible hand of market forces! And over there, on your device, there's your brother. What are his coordinates? Uh, it says he's with Bowens Jr. on the Tunnel of Love is Love across the park. Did you see this in the guidebook? You will be riding your swan boat through what used to be Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis Reservoir in Central Park, home to a diverse array of New York romances, as shown here by these animatronics. Ugh! What the heck is a New York comedy type? Oh, but you're so beautiful and, and oh, 
really it's no really you no no you're, like you're if just saying Bridget that Bardot uh, had the brains oh, of, of Walter Benjamin this way to all the girls stop it Moana are you sure we're headed in the right direction yeah here let's have a seat if we stay put in one place it'll be easier for everyone to find us again okay I can't believe I'm still feeling so nauseous when we get back to Beijing I'm putting in another order for anti-nostalgic it's not just the anti-nostalgic mom what or it's partially that, I guess. But come on, you've been this way for months. Admit it. You're a little more shaken up by the move than you'd expected. Well, I... Wait, are we moving? No, we're staying put in Beijing for at least another year. No, I mean right now, Moana. Are we moving? Oh my god, this is a roller coaster. I'm on a roller coaster. Yeah, it was designed to look like a New York City park bench, but this is actually the Cuomo coaster. We're going up the Empire State Building? Look, you can't predict the future, Mom. You thought you were going to live and do business in the States forever, and guess what? It just stopped making sense at a certain point. There were other opportunities, but it's not binary. It's not China versus the U.S. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Moana. You have no idea what you're talking about. Of course it is. Our governments have been feuding for years in the quest to build the most powerful economy. Isn't that stuff that you were saying on the boat still true? A great Uncle Pat saying the world is better when it's open for business and Lady Liberty accepting the poor, tired, huddled masses and all that. And look, maybe what I'm saying is too stressful while riding up 102 stories on a roller coaster. Maybe you should just listen to the recording of Andrew Cuomo saying his favorite words. Ventilator. Daughter. Tough. No, that's stressing me out more. That's stressing me out more. Okay, okay. Then, Mom, you need to acknowledge that you miss New York. I do. That you miss America. I do. And that that's okay. You can move between the two cultures. You can build community between the two nations. You can... I mean, Mom, you're so pent up with anxiety about this. You've got to let go. We're, we're reaching the top? We are. And you've got to let go, Mom. I... I do. Are you ready? I... Uh, oh, wow, honey, we're at the top. We... I can see out onto everything. And there she is, Lady Liberty again. Give me your tired, your poor... Hands up, Mom! What? Let go, Mom! You need to let go! I... Letting go of the world as we knew it, and stepping forward into the world to come with an open mind, heart, and hunger to innovate, is at the core of this show. And this topic in particular, the nature of the U.S.-China relationship plus the cross-border opportunities for collaboration, is too big for just one episode. Next week, you will hear the second half of my conversation with Michael Zhu, and we will also take a closer look at how exactly we here in the U.S. got to this point where our role on the world stage is, for the first time since the end of World War II, not entirely clear. Michael Ju, I'm going to ask you now the uh, same question we ask each one of our guests on every episode. What are two tips you have for tomorrow? I will say, um, uh, like I said, uh, please calm down because like, it's a really anxious time period right now. Um, and then really, really dig it out, um, you know, what you are doing and then what's the fundamentally, uh, important to others. The second, second, uh, you know, uh, the tip for others is, um, how's your technology, how's your service can be important to others and how, how that can solve other people's life or, 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 or critical, uh, problems that people are facing. 
All right, folks, that's our show. I want to thank our guest, Michael Zhu, our cast, Mark Levy, Kelly Quinn, Ann Veal, Matthew Walters-Bowens, and Raleigh Williams. Our composer, Ben Easton. The song in this week's episode, entitled Yesterday, A Marvelous World, was written by Ben Easton, performed by Ben Easton and Abby Easton, and mixed by Jim Bloom. I am your writer and host, Matt Hooper, and I want to thank all of you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, folks.